Welcome, Pewter Report readers, listeners, and viewers to a Bucks Training Camp Preview edition of the Pewter Report podcast. Energized by Celsius, Bucks fans, you've been waiting all year for this. Bucks football is almost upon us. Now it's just going to be training camp, you know, no pads for about a week, but still, Todd Bowles and his crew were going to be hitting the fields, the practice fields at the Advent Health Training Center this week, starting Wednesday. And myself, Scott Reynolds, your host today, along with Casey Hudson, we and all of the other Peter reporters will be at One Buccaneer Place as we get ready to cover this 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers team. Casey, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm so good. And I'm even more excited that it's finally football season. Fans are going to be excited. Yeah. We're going to get to talk about so much more exciting things. We're going to get to break down players a little bit more. And then instead of assuming what's going to go down, we get to actually say what's going down. So Exactly. Yes, we're, we're <laughs> very excited to, you know, to cover this year. It was not the year that everyone hoped for in 2021, that meaning that the Buccaneers did not repeat as Super Bowl champions. They got close, though. They went 13-4, and which set a new franchise single-season record. They went 8-2 and at home, the best mark ever at Raymond James Stadium. But at Ray J, they couldn't pull it off. They couldn't beat the Rams. That's something that Todd Bowles and his coaching staff and these players have in mind, beating the Rams after going 0-3 the last three meetings, beating the Saints after not beating the Saints at all with this coaching staff outside of that playoff game in mm-hmm. 2020. But um, but this is an exciting schedule, and it all starts Wednesday when the team reports to, to training camp. Heck, yeah. We're ready. We're so ready. We are. And, and this year we finally get to be, like, more hands-on again. So yes. So we're not going and doing six feet and mask in the, in the sun because that one was fun, wearing oh, a yeah. mask while I was sweating through it. Yeah, so, almost yeah. suffocating. Yeah, that, the masks <laughs> were not fun out there in uh, heat in, stroking. Everything. Yeah, in in the hot and uh, and humid conditions uh, over yeah. there, especially when there's no breeze. You know, some days, Casey, there's the flags aren't moving. Right, there's no <laughs> there's no wind flapping the flags around. I remember Gerald McCoy saying, "When you look over at the flag and you can't see it because it's basically like down on the the yep. flagpole, it's going to be a rough day." And it was yeah. a rough day for us in the media. When we had to wear the masks, thankfully, the COVID restrictions have been lifted this year and we're back to normal and not just back to normal in terms of covering training camp, but also interviewing the players. And if you haven't checked out Rashad White's Bucks training camp diary, Mm -hmm. we did that last night. We launched the debut of that. Uh, This is a feature that we ran back, I would say, every year. Uh, through 2019 and and then uh, the last two years 2020 and 2021 we've not been able to have the training camp diaries because we've not been able to be in close proximity to the players and so this year we've kind of rekindled that that uh, popular piece where we have like an exclusive player interview once a week with with uh a Bucks rookie and a Bucks veteran. And we try to pick one offensive player, one defensive player, and a veteran and a rookie to kind of give you Buccaneer fans some insight into training camp. And so this year, for the offense, representing the offense and the rookies, we've got Rashad White, the Bucks third round draft pick. And I put up his 
initial training camp diary last night on pewterreport.com. So go check it out. I'll drop it here in the chat as well. And then Casey, uh, for representing the defensive player, kind of like an unheralded guy, an unsung uh, uh, player who's really kind of, uh, you know, one of those self-made men. And he'll be representing the defense and special teams. That's defensive end Patrick O'Connor. Yeah. And I like that you called him the unsung hero because there's been spectacular moments in games, especially on special teams, where you're like, oh, wow, who is this guy? And he always just has a hype to him. Doesn't matter how many snaps he has, how often he's on the field. Pat O'Connor is constantly hype and just excited to be in a Bucks uniform. And that energy just translates throughout, you know, the sidelines, the, the yeah. fans, even us in the press box are like, you know what? He's making us excited to watch football. So yeah. I'm psyched that you guys got uh, Pat to be, to be uh, a diary guy. Yeah, it, it's all, it's fun because it, sometimes, it, you know, it's not the star players that deliver the best quotes and give you the mm-hmm. best insight. I've been doing this for 27 years. And, you know, Tyoka Jackson, um, and I'm just trying to think of some others, um, you know, John Gilmore, uh, Bucks tight end. Uh, th- th- there's there's been some unheralded players that have been the best quotes on the team and and not just those pro bowlers and and the starters and so i think the interesting thing with pat o'connor is fans are really going to get to know this guy you might remember he blocked a punt out there in denver during the 2020 season and uh, got a sack in in the 2020 season got half a sack last year so he's He's one of those core special teams players that also is is improving along the defensive line. And, uh, you know, he's not a lock to make the team either, which is an interesting storyline for him as well. So yeah. um, we're, we're excited to have those features. Just in case you didn't know, folks, Bucks training camp begins this week. That means that our podcast schedule has changed. So there's the schedule right there. Today is Monday, July 25th. You are watching the Peter Report Bucks training camp preview, and we're going to get to that in a few moments here. But uh, there's no podcast tomorrow. So typically during the offseason, we do podcasts Monday through Thursday at 4 o'clock. But we're going to basically follow the Bucks training camp schedule and and do four podcasts a week wrapped around those. So uh, you and I will be out there, Casey, along with JC and uh, um, a couple of other Peter reporters on Wednesday looking at that very first training camp practice. And so we'll have a, a, our next podcast will be that day. And that will be on Wednesday, the 27th at four o'clock. We'll have, we'll have uh, all the latest from Tom Brady and uh, the, the fellow pirates and pewter over there at uh, one buck place. And so that will be on Wednesday show. Then Thursday and Friday, we're going to have a, a Friday podcast covering that Friday practice. Now there is a practice on Saturday, but there won't be a podcast as we go into the weekend. And then we'll be back at it again next week. Podcast Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The Bucks have Thursday off and then Friday. So you can also check Twitter. We've got this posted on our Twitter page at Peter Report as well. Oh, yeah. We're ready. We are ready. And, and it's a Monday, too. I usually do this with Matt Matera. He is. Matt's should we, about should to we, go re- silly. Should we re- reveal what Matt is doing this week? Yeah, I always get called out. People okay, know all right. We're going to call Matt out. So Matt Matt is going to be skipping True. the first week of Bucks training camp to go to a bachelor party get out on the West Coast. <laughs> so now in a, in a, in a boys weekend, week and end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Now, in all fairness to Matt, typically the Bucks have started training camp that Friday or Saturday 
of the last weekend of of July. Mm -hmm. This is the earliest I remember training camp starting, which is on a Wednesday. Usually it starts on Saturday. that weekend. Yeah. Or I remember it being like a Saturday. Yeah, right. So the first practice is Wednesday. So Matt made these travel plans, <laughs> not knowing exactly when training camp would start. Plus, too, it's it's a bachelor party. It's not like he's a guest. He's not yeah, it's not his bachelor party. He's he's going there to, to celebrate. He's not getting married. So exactly. he has the next most important role, which means he's got to show up. Right. And he's got to get his best friend somewhat blacked out before yeah. he reels it in. Yeah, I mean, there's got to be a little bit of debauchery this week. So um, <laughs> thankfully, there's there's no practice on Sunday because that's when Matt gets back, I believe, on Saturday. So yes. Matt might need a day to recover, not just from jet lag, but from. Uh, the hangover, if you will, um, out there and bachelor life. Exactly. <laughs> so, so Casey, um, so at 420 today, we're doing roll call, which is always fun to do on a Monday's roll call. If you don't know what this is, well, we want to find out where you're at, Peter people. So at 420, as we're diving into the Bucks training camp preview today, looking at offense and defense and all the different positions at 420, Casey's going to be entertaining us and informing us about all things Buccaneers at that particular time. And while she's doing that, I'm going to be putting up on the screen where you all are watching or listening to this episode of the Peter Report, Report podcast from. So uh, stay tuned for that in about 10 minutes. A little bit of, of news today. Kyle Rudolph, the new tight end, his contract details have been revealed. We have a story up on pewterreport.com. I'll put that in the chat uh, here as well for you. But uh, I'll go ahead and tell you, his contract numbers are in, and he's making $2 million with $1.5 million in incentives. So a $2 million base, as well as a $1.5 million uh, worth of incentives. And the interesting thing is, is that makes him the highest paid tight end, Casey, just a little bit over what Cam Braid is scheduled to make. Cam is going to be making $2 million in base salary this year. So they're even there. Right. But, you know, Cam had a signing bonus a couple years ago. And right. so technically, Kyle Rudolph will be able to make a little bit more money this year if he reaches some of those incentives. And it'll be interesting to see if, if it's going to be Braid or Rudolph as, as tight end one for the Buccaneers. Well, call it a stretch, but I think him coming in and making just a little bit more than Cameron great be a sign of faith and what the bucks are hoping Kyle Rudolph come in and do. And uh, Matt and I were kind of touched on it last week. Mm -hmm. in, in my personal opinion, if the bucks are learning to establish a more consistent and effective mm -hmm. run game, then you're probably going to have more predominant or not predominant, but you're more capable blocking tight end yeah. in the game versus, you know, Bright. not saying that Bright hasn't had his moments, but when it comes to Kyle Rudolph versus Bright build, and ability, especially when it comes to blocking, Rudolph kind of wins that one out as long as he's healthy. Yeah, that's right. And and I, I believe that the Buccaneers do want to run the ball more this year. That's that's something that if you go back and look at the Rams game and the Saints game, especially in New Orleans, not the one here so much. That was such a fluky game because they actually ran the ball pretty well against mm -hmm. Carolina or against uh, the Saints. They just couldn't score any points. They lost nine to nothing. And and after losing Leonard Fournette in the third quarter and then Mike Evans and Chris Godwin in the first half yeah. uh, they just kind of ran out of some weapons there and and couldn't take the ball away on the defense defensive Short side yeah it's so I, I, <laughs> I, I think that that they do want to use Kyle Rudolph more 
as that run blocker and get this running game going and have Leonard Fournette earn that $7 million per year that he's going to be making this year, Casey, and getting Rashad White in the mix too. Yeah, I have high hopes for Rashad White. It, it, a, a switch goes off when you hear a younger player, a rookie especially, speak with so much confidence. I mean, yeah. honestly, guys, it's not even just like a shout out thing. Go read the, the diaries because you're going to mm-hmm. just have a whole different respect for this kid and what he can potentially produce this season. So I think he'll do it. I mean, and if you look at that running back room, aside from Leonard Fournette, there's not really high hopes for anybody else on that roster. No offense to the rest of the guys. Keyshawn Vaughn's kind of been a hit or miss situation. Yeah. Gio Bernard is on his last leg of, you know, many things, at least in this system. So when it comes to the conversation of the depth in this running back room, it's really Leonard who needs to earn this contract that he just got. And then, right. you know, Rashad White, who there's high hopes of his capability and, you know, how he's going to help really spread out the, the, the offense as well. Yeah, for sure. And and we'll see what, what Kyle Rudolph has as, as a receiving tight end, too. I remember back in 2002, um, back when you were just a little girl, when the Buccaneers <laughs> won, won their first Super Bowl, they brought in a couple of veteran tight ends that year in Ken Dilger, who was a great tight end in his prime, but he was past his prime at the very end of his career, and also Ricky Dudley, a similar type of thing. That was an older one-two punch the Bucks had there at tight end, kind of like what they have now with Brayton Rudolph. Now, the difference is, They've got Kate Otten, who is a young guy in the mix, and they hope that they can yes. get him up to speed as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. But last time they had two aging tight ends, well, actually, they, they won the Super Bowl twice. They won in, in 2020 with Rob Gronkowski and Cam Brate, mm-hmm. and, and now they've got uh, two older guys as well, and Brate and Rudolph, and that worked, obviously, back in 2002 as well. Dilger threw a great block downfield for Joe Jerevicius on that 71-yard catch and run that put the Bucks into scoring position for the Eagles. The, the, they had a hard time scoring touchdowns <laughs> in Philly before that big catch and run. And, and I remember Gene Deckerhoff on the radio call, go Joe, go Joe, go Joe. And Dilger <laughs> was the guy that really sprung him free. So maybe Kyle Rudolph would be that Ken Dilger type player that can crossed. come in. We're not expecting him to be Rob Gronkowski, but we'll settle yeah. for, for the 2002 version of Ken Dilger if he can be that guy. Yeah, and funny enough, yes, I was a wee little thing in 2002, and I was obsessed with a John Lynch jersey. My parents could not get it off of me. <laughs> so that was I was a, I was a defensive girl growing up, and then all of a sudden I turned into a tight end lover because of their athleticism. But you're right. We're not expecting Kyle Rudolph to be the next Rob Gronkowski. Rob Gronkowski is in a league of his own, if you will. But yep. Matt and I kind of discussed the fact of, you know, would Gronk be a Hall of Fame tight end if he didn't have Tom Brady as his quarterback for his entire career, number one? And what will that do for Kyle Rudolph having Tom Brady as his quarterback, number two? Yeah. I have high, I, I have, I'm optimistic about this tight end group. Yeah. I I, I, Casey, are you suggesting that Tom Brady might be a little bit better than Daniel Jones? I mean, just a little bit. Just a little bit, right? Yeah. Just, yeah. yeah, slightly. No, let me let me take that back before the chat's like this girl thinks that no, just yeah, kidding. you're being sarcastic, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's Tom yeah, Brady. We, yeah, I mean, and if you're Kyle Rudolph, I mean, holy smoke, you've got you got be stoked. You have got to be so excited. Yeah, because the revolving door of quarterbacks that he has had to deal with, none of them are really anywhere close to Tom Brady caliber. So right. as long as he's healthy, and every player that we have got to 
the chance to talk to in press conferences, interview, whatever the case may be, everyone has really just spoke to the Tom Brady effect. Yeah. And this year you're going into a season where he has an even larger chip on his shoulder because right. nobody liked how last season ended. So the Tom Brady effect and the how these players are going to enter this season is what I think I'm most excited about. And that's going to be established in training camp. I mean, yep. the competition is going to be pretty heavy if you think about it in a lot of these position groups. And I can't wait for the clarification of roles. There's a lot of guys that kind of, you know, they could have played on either side of the field or mm -hmm. there's so many questions and position groups, what the safeties are going to do, what's yeah. going to happen on the offensive line. So I feel like the competition it's just going to be really exciting for training. Yeah, I, I agree. And we're going to get into that in just a few minutes here. We got roll call coming up at 420 in about two minutes. Um, I was kind of like uh, Joe Grizz, 341 today. I'm shotgunning a few ice-cold cans of Celsius. Matter of fact, this is Celsius number two for me today. I was looking forward to Celsius number one at 530 this morning when I got up. I had the uh, tropical vibe. And uh, this is this is a cola because I don't typically like to do two fruity flavors in one day. So if I'm if I'm gonna have two, and this is one of those days where I'm probably working 12, 15 hours today in preparation for camp. Number two is the cola flavor. So Celsius, folks, it's it's all about the flavor, right? Um, you're looking for an energy drink that that tastes good, right? And that's that's exactly what Celsius provides. Look at all these tremendous fruit flavors that you have. You've got. Peach vibe, tropical vibe, wild berry, Fuji apple pear is one of my favorites. Orange is still my go-to. Watermelon. Uh, there's a, a kiwi guava, strawberry uh, guava. There's so many amazing flavors when it comes to Celsius. But you know, you drink you drink Celsius in energy drinks for one thing, not just the taste, but but the energy, right? That's why they're an energy drink. Well, Celsius provides essential active or I, sh I should say essential energy for active lives seven vitamins in each one of these cans of celsius and there's no sugar and no preservatives that means there's no sugar crash later on that's that's it's it just defeats the purpose if you're drinking an energy drink and then hours later it wears off and you have a sugar crash so don't be a fool go out there and get celsius you've heard us talk about it uh, every single day on the Peter Report podcast. If you haven't done it yet, become a Celsius drinker. Go to the ads on PeterReport.com and click them, and you'll find out where you can buy Celsius near you. Or do what I do. Go to Amazon, buy them in bulk, use the subscribe and save, and they ship them right to your door. The newest flavor of Celsius is the Arctic Vibe. I just had one the other day, Casey. It's a tremendous flavor. I love all the, the Vibe flavors. Arctic Vibe, Tropical Vibe and peach vibe. So make sure that Slushies. you are doing what we do and drinking Celsius. <laughs> doing what we do. Follow our lead. Celsius keeps you thriving for hours and hours on end. Yeah, it's we, we're true not, we're, we we're not gonna steer you wrong, folks. We're no, and we don't sleep much. So it's very yeah. helpful. <laughs> the Arctic vibe reminds me of slushies though. It, it kind of does. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's there's, there's some flavors and I'll tell you, I'm not going to name any particular soft drinks names, but uh, this cola flavor, it, if you like the taste of, of your favorite cola, you need to try the cola flavor. You can find it on Amazon from Celsius. So uh, this show is just rolling by, and we're going to dive into our Bucks training camp preview, starting at the quarterback position. But 
Wow, wow, Casey, you're talking about quarterbacks. I'm going to have you just kind of start off with Tom Brady and roll into Blaine Gabbard and then Kyle Trask and, and Ryan Griffin. We're going to be doing roll call. Where are you at, Peter people? Yeah. So let's find out where you're tuning in from today as we are yes. about two days away from training camp here. So, Casey, go ahead and let us know what your right. thoughts are on the Bucks quarterback position, which seems to be well-stocked, headed by Tom Brady. I would definitely agree with the well-stocked um, position because – his backup is Blaine Gabbert. And then there's been raving reviews when it comes to Kyle Trask. I'm not going to lie. I've been pretty surprised. I've also been a little um, on the fence when it comes to Kyle Trask, not only because he had the dishonor of wearing the University of Florida jersey for his college career, but, you know, we didn't get a chance to see him on the field last season. And I would say from an analytical point of view, you know, in those games where they decided to put in Blaine Gabbert, it was an opportunity where I would have preferred to see Kyle Trost to have a better evaluation of, you know, where his progress is, where his development is. What's the timeline on seeing more Kyle Trost? This is supposed to be the face of Tampa Bay eventually. And, yeah. you know, we see much confidence at the top of the year when Brady had his quick, rapid retirement or yeah. – you know, early days, April right? Fool's joke, if you will. So with that being said, you know, there wasn't there was there was a little bit of faith and there was a lot of, oh, my gosh, we're in trouble if it comes down to Kyle Trask and, and Blaine Gabbert. Now, I didn't appreciate the Blaine Gabbert hate because at least as a girl who watched Blaine Gabbert when he was at the Jacksonville Jaguars, not saying he was a stellar quarterback, but right. I thought he did just enough with the chips that he was provided there. Um so I would say that the Bucks are in a good position when it comes to Tom Brady, Blaine Gabbert, and this training camp, I will actually be a lot more hyper-focused on Kyle Trask. Yeah. The, the, I guess the icing or the, the, the excitement is the fact that this is a guy who's now getting another year to learn under the top quarterback in the league and a Hall of Fame quarterback. So I can't think that he's going to walk away without having some sort of extensive knowledge and some tips and tricks under his belt to be a contending quarterback in the NFL. So I am really excited to see where Kyle Trask lands in this training camp, uh, what his development is from last training camp to this training camp. Um, we have some great technique to compare from last year to this year, his field vision, his release, that was probably the biggest thing that I saw last year in training camp. And it was kind of funny too, because I was, I don't know why I was talking aloud to myself. It must've been the heat. Yeah. Um, or I must've been testing my ears through the mask, but there was the quarterback drills were coming about and it was just like, it was so cool to see the difference between Tom Brady's release on the ball, Blaine Gabbert's release on the ball to Kyle Trask's release on the ball. So yeah. there's one thing that I could say that, you know, I would like to see some sort of significant difference on, which it comes down to arm strength and confidence is right. seeing his release on the ball kind of speed up a bit. Um, but that also comes with knowing the system and trusting your players. So Kyle yeah. Trash should be in a good position to step into a better role and maybe hit the field for an overtime game or, you know, a blowout or two this season. Yeah. And, you know, I think the thing with this quarterback group is we, we know Tom Brady, right? And I, the great thing is Tom Brady knows the Buccaneers now. This is year three. He knows this yeah. offense. He knows virtually all the players. He's going to learn, you know, Kyle Rudolph here sooner rather than later. But that guy in the middle, Kyle Trask, I think this is going to be the training camp where he is really showcased. And he needs to be, Casey, because, you know, as, as much as I have a strong affection for Blaine Gabbert, the most <laughs> handsome quarterback in Tampa, um, <laughs> And I'm curious to see what, what Blaine Gabbert 2.0 is. 
his biggest ally, Bruce Arians, is no longer the head coach. You know, we don't know how Todd Bowles feels about Blaine Gabbert, if he shares that same affection or not. But what we do know is this this team has a second-round draft pick invested in Kyle Trask, who basically had a redshirt year. And one mm-hmm. of the things that really intrigued me was we heard from Clyde Christensen in the offseason last you know, uh, spring mm-hmm. and, and saying how this is probably going to be another redshirt year for Kyle Trask and Blaine Gabbert's the number two. He just knows the system, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you heard Todd Bowles come right out and say the exact opposite, basically contradict the quarterback's coach, Clyde Christensen, and say, no, this is not going to be another redshirt season for Kyle Trask, and there will be an open competition behind the uh, for, for the backup job. And this is something I just wrote in uh, an article on pewterreport.com, mm-hmm. and I'm going to put it here in the chat as well. Uh, this is going to be a battle for the number two job. And Kyle Trask is going to have, and the article was five potential surprises in Bucks training camp. And that's one of them. Kyle Trask is going to have the opportunity to beat out Blaine Gabbert. He's going to be getting a lot of, of the number two reps, not just in training camp practice, Casey, but also in those joint practices with the Titans and the Dolphins. And then in the preseason games, there's only three of them. I think when you add up all of the reps, Kyle Trask is going to get by far the most reps because Todd Bowles and Jason Light have to see, is this a viable option in 2023 if Tom Brady doesn't return? A hundred percent. Yeah. And they, and it, it would be insane of them not to do it at this point. They know what Blaine Gabbard's capable of. Um, Not saying that there's not another level for him, but I think he's been pretty even kill and consistent over the past couple of years. So yeah, you have, to go where your investment is and your larger investment is going to be in Kyle Trask. And you got to know this season, whether it's going to pan out or not, or whether you're looking at a preview of, you know, moving past him down the line and then really figuring out your quarterback situation. Cause regardless, Tom Brady's days are numbered. So it's time to look at the bigger picture. And and Casey, if you go back to to Todd Bowles, career with the, with the jets from Mm -hmm. 2015 to 2018, he started five different quarterbacks in four years. That's not the recipe for success. (laughs) <laughs> that's what that's what got him fired, and and so this team and Bulls they want to know who's in line to be that successor to Tom Brady. Is he on the roster right now, or is he not? Are they going to have to go outside and either draft a quarterback in the first round next year or hit free agency? It's not nearly as as good of a crop next year in the free agent market, and certainly I don't think we're going to see the quarterback movement that we did this year. Right. right with the likes of, of Carson Wentz getting traded and Matt Ryan getting traded and Russell Wilson getting traded. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next year, but they got to find out about Trask right now. Yeah, I completely agree. And hopefully he pans out. I mean, it feels like it'll be a bit of a headache to try to find somebody in the free agency market or see what's going to happen with the draft, but yeah. you don't want to get that close to the bottom of the barrel to make a decision for a contending team. Because regardless, I think this roster is strong enough contract-wise to be a contending team for Mm -hmm. at least the next two, three years. So you don't want to fail at the quarterback position. And if anything, we we would assume that Bulls has learned that through (laughs) his time with the Jets and even his time is just, you know, on the defensive side of the ball with the Bucks. And also Jason Light, too, right? I mean, this this team was seven and nine with Jameis Winston in 2019. And, you know, they added a couple pieces, but really it was the quarterback switch, right? Brady for, for Winston, that was the, the big switch. 
and, and then all of a sudden they go 11 and five and win the Super Bowl. So that's how important the quarterback spot is. We all know that. Let's switch to running backs, Casey. Leonard Fournette gets $7 million a year. We talked about the Bucks probably running the ball more. Mm-hmm. You, you've already touched on Rashad White. Uh, do you think that Rashad White is A, going to win that number two job in camp? And then B, do you think that White could put some pressure on, on Leonard Fournette for that starting job? Because in his training camp diary, he said he wants to be a starter. I know that's what I was, what was just so attractive about that article as well. Um, I say it's a lock in for the running back two spot. Um, Cause like I said, Keyshawn Vaughn has just kind of been this, this just hanging in the wind, holding your breath, waiting for that next level of athleticism to really hit and take off for him. And Gio Bernard, you know, he had big contributing plays throughout the season, but then once he was already working through injuries and then once it really started to pile on, we don't really know what we're going to get with Bernard right now. Um, so it would behoove them to really focus on Rashad white, who is healthy and is eager to learn and contribute to this team as for lighting a fire or, you know, maybe putting some pressure on Leonard Fournette. They're just kind of, they have two different styles in my opinion. And I think that they can fulfill two different needs when it comes to the running back game. The scary part though, is that if you think about how Tom Brady, you know, the offense that he orchestrated in new England, Rashad white is kind of like more of a fit to what Tom Brady would gravitate to in my opinion, but Leonard Fournette has proved so much So there's an angst there to see, you know, is there going to be another level for Leonard Fournette? I've said this multiple times on the podcast. I want to see the over a thousand yards Lenny from the Jaguars, the guy who put this team on their back and took him to their first playoffs in like a decade. Um, So I think he has the capability of doing that all the weight side, you know, weight jokes aside and stuff. Mm -hmm. And now that he has that security blanket, I don't think he's going to come in and digress. I think he's going to level up. So I think the comparison is a little hard, but if Lenny does slack off, I think Tom Brady's going to easily gravitate towards Rashad White, yeah. and he will be weeded out. Yeah, I, I think the Bucks are in a, in a, a win-win situation here. Either Fournette gets pushed to greatness by Rashad White, or yeah. White pushes him for for carries and catches. And in either way, I think the Buccaneers are are benefiting from either scenario. Yes. Uh, let's switch to to wide receivers. This is a really Interesting position, right? Because there's 13 guys they're bringing to camp. Three of them we already know are locked in. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, right? So you've got three or four positions, mm-hmm. depending on special teams. Did they keep six receivers or seven? We'll find out. But J.C. Allen had six receivers in his 53-man roster predictions. I put that in the chat as well. Be yes. sure you check that out on pewterreport.com. Good article today. But mm-hmm. – whether it's six or seven, that's only three or four more spots between 10 guys fighting. And there's kind of two groups. There's there's the, the guys that have kind of been there and done that, Rashad mm-hmm. Perryman, who's been on the team in 2019 and uh, 2021, mm-hmm. and Scotty Miller, who's been on this team for the last three years. Tyler Johnson's been on this team the last two years. They've all had their moments. They've all had some bright spots. But yeah. none of those guys have been able to put it together. Mm-hmm. But – this second group of receivers, even though he's 29 years old, Cyril Grayson is new to the roster after spending years on the practice squad developing as a former track star at LSU into a wide receiver. We saw what he could do at the end of last year. So you have Cyril Grayson. You've got an improving Jalen Darden who shined in the offseason again. And then you've got these youngsters, Jareth Stearns, 
uh, Devin Tompkins. Those are a couple young guys. So, Casey, give me your thoughts on that first group, the, the holdovers, and, and what they have to do, and then some of these younger guys as well. What's going to happen after wide receiver three? Well, we know what I think of Jalen Darden. And um, I know it's tough. He he had a shining moment. He didn't really add up to it. It does change, as you've noted, when the pads come on and the NFL speed hits. Unfortunately, I just I still don't see much developing from him, or it might just be a little bit of a longer route for him. Um, as for the guys that should really come out and shine, they've had their chances. Now it's time to really dial in and, and show that you have it or you don't. Uh, Tyler Johnson has to show up big, and I yep. think it's going to start for him in training camp. At this point, enough is enough. You can't have guys coming out in your wide receiver class who have established themselves in the NFL and you're still, you know, hit or miss, very inconsistent. If, if anything, just not showing much confidence out there, right. still very lackluster. Um, I'm not the biggest Tyler Johnson fan. If I was to give that wide receiver four slot to somebody or have better hope of somebody commanding that spot, uh, it would be Cyril Grayson. I think that he was on a great trajectory closing out the year before his injury. Um, Like you said, he was coming off from being a track star, developing into a wide receiver. So that's more so finding a quarterback that can match your measure. And I think him and Tom Brady really started to find something. If they can pick up where they left off, Cyril Grayson could be a dangerous guy in this offense, and him and Tom Brady's developing chemistry could be huge. Um, We all know I'm a Scotty fan. I'm a huge Scotty fan. And I have so much hope for Scotty Miller. It's just he's on the chopping block this year. And the hard part is that the lack of trust that was clear between him and and Tom Brady last season, if that translates and begins in training camp, Scotty Miller is not going to have an opportunity to develop his career with the Bucs. And that's just the bottom line there. He really has to do more. He's kind of a one-trick pony as as that ex-receiver. That's mm-hmm. split end, and the problem is that's Mike Evans' spot. So Mike Evans doesn't come off the field much. So there's not a lot of opportunities for Scotty Miller. He can't really play in the slot in Bruce Arians slash Byron Leftwich's offense. You need a bigger body in there to to do some inline blocking, right? Yeah. To, to be a moved guy and to do some blocking at the point of attack. Scotty Miller's not that guy, and he's more fast with straight line speed than he is quick. Mm-hmm. So he's not the guy, the kind of guy that, that a Russell Gage is or even a Cyril Grayson is, or, or even a guy like Brashad Perryman, who's also fast but has a little bit of quickness, and he's a bigger guy. Exactly what I was about right? to say. That, and and Jalen Darden's in the mix, too, at that flanker or Z receiver position. Yeah, and granted, while you know Arians is no longer the head coach here, a big thing that used to stand out to Arians that I'm sure might continue to be a, a big asset for this coaching staff is they like wide receivers that can block. They like anybody yep. that can contribute, um, you know, a good block in the game, and that's where Brashad Perryman will end up leaping over some of these guys if he yep. just shows like an ounce more of consistency because he is the fastest wide receiver. Um, right. And he showed really, you know, quality blocks in, in a lot of clutch plays last year. So Scotty Miller's kind of on the chopping block. Tyler Johnson's on the chopping block. Uh, Aside from my opinion, I know that Jalen Darden has a fresh perspective, you know, heading into training camp. And I know that they're going to give him a fair shot to earn a slot. Yeah. And as long as he can do that, which they had high hopes for him because he did look good in training camp last year, they they're going to have high hopes for him and he's going to have an opportunity to contend for a spot. Um, But then it comes down to Devin Tom, uh, Tom, What's Tompkins. his last name? Tompkins, Thank yeah, you. Devin Tompkins. Yeah. 
I want to call him Thompson, <laughs> Devin Tompkins. You don't you don't get a lot of emotion out of Todd Bowles, and so I know sometimes it's just really exciting um, for us to hear him not particularly rave, but to give a lot of credit and and look forward to the development of someone and. Right. Devin Tompkins caught his attention. You know, he made a stellar first impression when it came to OTAs in minicamp. And if he builds off of that by any means, he's going to end up surpassing um, a lot of these guys out of 10 guys. You know, he's going to probably be coming in the top four. Yeah. So, and it's interesting to note that that he and Jalen Darden, I think it's going to come down to, to those two guys. Not saying it's going to be one or the other that's going to make the team, but mm-hmm. the return specialist will make the team, whether that's wide receiver six or wide receiver five or wide receiver seven, depending on how many they keep. But I think it's going to come down to Tompkins and Darden for the role of punt and kick returner. Both those guys are doing it in the offseason. Mm-hmm. We look for those guys to do it again in training camp. And you, you might have Scotty Miller in the mix there, uh, Jarrett Stearns, but I think it's going to come down to, to one of those two guys. I completely agree with you. And I don't think there's going to be a big margin as to who gets it because the thing is, is that Jalen Darden had his moments, but yeah. he just, he tap dances back there way too long once yeah, he, he does. receives the ball and it causes a lot of issues. He becomes, you know, he's no longer a moving target. He's standing still waiting to get hit. That's so right. It's if this point. kid, yeah, if this kid just shows like one, one ounce of a better run when he, yeah. when it comes to receiving the ball and making that decision and heading in a direction, yeah. he's going to win that spot over Darden. Yeah, and the thing, you bring up a good point because when you're a punt returner especially, you need to set up those blocks, right? Mm-hmm. You, because you've got, you know, you've got the entire team coming at you. It's, it's that way on kickoff returns too, but all of your blockers are in front of you, right? Like when right. you're a, a punt return guy, you've got to make a guy miss or two on your own and then set those blocks up. When you're a kick returner, you can kind of see the field. You can see your blocks start yeah. to, to develop and play off that. So yes, uh, if if Darden becomes more decisive, then that's going to help him. But this Tompkins kid, as you mentioned, he's just electric. So we'll yeah. have to keep an eye and on the radius. A little bit more size on him, which you know, as long as it doesn't slow you down, having yeah. a little bit more size on you, I think is a bit favorable because you know, if you're willing to lower your shoulder, you may gain a couple extra yards or make a little bit yeah. more of a difference in the Slip play a tackle but, you know maybe yeah. make something happen exactly we've t- exactly. we've talked a little bit about the tight end with Kyle Rudolph's addition mm-hmm. and then obviously Cam Brate you know he's he's a steady Eddie there at the position uh, Kate Otten Coquift uh, JJ Howland Ben mm-hmm. Beast there's a couple of guys there uh, but mm-hmm. I, I think the top guy and Cody McElroy as well but the top three are, are, are set right you've got Rudolph and Brate and Otten yeah. yeah, they have room for a fourth tight end. That's going to be special teams. I think Coquif probably has the inside track there with him mm-hmm. being, uh, you know, a blocking ace and yeah. probably an ideal special teams player. Do you see anybody else stepping up into that spot, or or is it going to be if they keep a fourth tight end, it's pretty much Coquif? I think if they keep a fourth tight end, it's going to be Coquif. So I yeah. think you know, in terms of. Yes, they just got on signed and stuff, but you can see how the anticipation on his healing process and him being ready for training camp. Um, I feel like coaches were really high on him being prepared to start, you know, his career off in training camp and develop from there on out. This has also been a pretty skim group for the most part. Um, yeah. I know there was a lot of conversation as to, you know, OJ Howard was supposed to be this bigger mm-hmm. development and, and all this stuff, and it didn't pan out. But the bottom right. line is that, like you said, Cameron Bright, steady Eddie. I did hear a lot about Bright actually pushing through an injury that he wasn't speaking of um, in his back last season. 
Yeah. So health is really going to be the biggest factor for every yeah. player on this roster. Sam <laughs> Braid, I want to say in 2019, played through a torn hip flexor injury. Mm-hmm. And oh, which I know yeah, how that I, I was a torn sure. torn labrum in his hip. And and that was a, a an injury that happened in training camp. And it was one of two options. Either you play through it all year or you go in IR. And he said, I'm playing through it all year. So that's yeah. So that, you know that, this guy's got some grit. And oh yeah, <laughs> yes, and and Tom Brady loves Cam Brady, right? That that's yes. the reason why Brady is still here in, in Tampa is because uh, Tom Brady. That's just one of his go-to guys in the red zone. He's reliable. He's a great mentor for the young tight ends. So, I, I, and he's a great interview too. I'm personally speaking, I, I love Cam Brady. Having him in the locker room as a great locker room quote uh, is awesome. Uh, yeah. We're going to talk about the offensive line next, Casey, but. Um, we had Donovan Smith on the show last week, and we talked to him about bowling. This is a he's a big bowling guy. We just mentioned tight ends, and the Peter Report bowling leagues are going to kick up again at Pin Chasers this year. We've well, the last time we had the the the, the bowling league was in the fall was a couple of years ago, and the tight ends used to come out: mm-hmm. uh, Anthony Altair, O.J. Howard, Tanner Hudson. And this year we kind of got the the heads up from Donovan Smith. He's a big time bowler, loves pin chasers, so keep an eye on on the offensive line representing uh, the Buccaneers this year at our pin chasers bowling league for Pewter Report. But uh, don't wait for the bowling league, folks. Get to pin chasers for an evening or an afternoon of fun. And the great thing is is it's air conditioned and it doesn't rain inside of pin chasers because in the summer, Casey, as you know, here in Tampa, it's hot, it's humid, and it rains every day with thunderstorms like we're having right here in Wesley Chapel. <laughs> but uh, but it's it's always dry and cool inside pin chasers. So it's the greatest atmosphere you can find for entertainment. And the food is really underrated. You wouldn't think going to a bowling alley, you would have a great meal. That's not the case at pin chasers. Bowling, food, fun, whether it's the pizzas, the, the chicken tenders, the sandwiches, the salads are amazing at Pin Chasers. They've got bowling leagues, birthday parties, corporate team building uh, environment there. Great for fundraisers. Visit pinchasers.net for more information. They've got some weekly specials that you can check out. Three locations in the Tampa Bay area, East Pasco up here by me in Zephyr Hills, Midtown down there by One Buck Place, in Tampa, and then also the veterans location in Tampa. So uh, make sure that you are dialing in and bowling up some pin chasers fun when you're looking for uh, a little a little date night or an, an outing with the family. My name is carved into one of those tables at the veterans. Really? How did that happen? Well, we used to go there a lot as kids. So oh, okay. Teenagers. If so you, you defiled the place by by vandalizing. I- create the artwork um, oh okay friend of mine did but, oh okay <laughs> so show love young young love oh anyway. oh oh so it was like a, a boyfriend a past boyfriend who wanted to to put yeah. your um uh carve your your name into uh to pinch yeah got it well we we're just talking about donovan smith and, and he's one of the stalwarts on this offensive line and you know we're not going to go through the starters, those are pretty much set the four of them, right? Donovan yeah. Smith, left tackle, Tristan works at right, the new right guard, Shaq Mason, and your Pro Bowl center, Ryan Jensen. But all eyes are going to be on that left guard battle. 
And it looks to me, from what we saw in the mandatory minicamp and the OTAs before that, Casey, it's going to be a three-way battle. It looks like Nick Leverett is going to kind of be that primary backup on the right side, at least in training camp, behind Shaq Mason. So I think you're going to see Aaron Stinney, the veteran, uh, get a crack at the left guard spot. Then you've got Luke Gedeke, the second-round pick. Gedeke is a he is a chiseled block of granite. He physically looks and resembles more like Ali Marpet than either Stinney or, or Robert Hainsey, who's added some size, but Hainsey was the backup center last year. How do you see this, this three-way battle of training camp uh, shaking out when it's all said and done? I think the path is paved for Luke Gadecki to step in. Um, Hainsey actually had some shining moments last training mm-hmm. camp because there were some injuries that they took off early in training camp and he had to step in for like a full day uh, multiple times. So Hainsey has the quality backup situation down pack, but as for like shining into stepping into that role largely, I would see him taking it over Stinney, you know, no offense to Stinney, but he just doesn't have much, much spark to him. Um, He's just been consistently a plug. So I think that the, the expectation is that Luke Gadecki will be able to get acclimated and step into that role. Yeah, I agree. And and I think it's only a matter of time. Stinney has the experience. If he didn't have the experience, I don't think he would be much of a factor because I think he's more of a career backup type player. Um, yeah, so so the, the great thing is is with with the left guard position, if that's settled, um, then then you're looking at some of those other guys that were in the mix being a uh, you know a, a backup type player where you, yeah. you've got more depth at, at the interior line with Hainsey and probably Stinney and Leverett there, and then I think at the offensive tackle position, it's going to be interesting. Are they going to keep Josh Wells around again, or is the newcomer Fred Johnson from the the Florida kid played with the Gators, and then more recently Cincinnati is he going to take over as that swing tackle? I think that he's going to end up taking over. Um, nothing, nothing against <laughs> anyone else, but you know, you bring in somebody, you put a price tag on them. There's an expectation to execute, and I think that they're going to have more confidence, depending on how well he dives into this playbook, to come in and just secure that versus still trying to figure out, um, you know, how how quick everybody else can come up to speed to step mm-hmm. into that role. So I think Johnson, and I've heard a lot of good things about him, his his football IQ, his ability to... He's a nasty um, run blocker. I mean, he's yeah. he's physical. Where Josh Wells is a little bit more finesse and probably better suited in pass protection, yeah. Fred Johnson will absolutely get after you in the run game. And and that's something that, that well, that's not Wells' strength. I think the biggest challenge for Fred Johnson will be showing this team and proving that he can stand up well in pass protection. Yeah, and the thing is, is that Wells had a, you know, well stepped in a few times last season. With this O line, there hasn't been a huge rotation. I mean, the O line right. has, I mean, I, I won't say stays has stayed healthy, but has really fought to maintain their starters for just about every single game. But a little bit of a pattern that I feel like I've spotted in this off season heading into the season is that some of the players that have been picked up or that have been signed, they have a lot more of like strength and aggression to them and an ability to be extremely physical. Yeah. Um, you know, even quickly tapping on the other side of the ball, Keanu Neal, very aggressive and physical guy. So right. everybody has this extra physical level level of physicality to them. And I think that just kind of leans the bucks in a little bit of a different direction. So Fred Johnson, you want to see what that looks right. like. And then imagine him playing alongside 
of the rest of these guys that are just all-star offensive linemen. Yeah. So I feel like it's going to be more exciting to see Fred Johnson, but not only is it more exciting, it'll be more effective to have yeah. such an aggressive player versus Wells, who's done very well. Right. Well, and hopefully we don't see too much of Fred Johnson. That would mean Donovan Smith or Tristan Wirfs's injury. We don't want that, you know. Exactly. But, but you it's know, to alleviate them a little bit. You correct. Know, depending yeah. on the game or whatever the case may be. Because, yeah. they, like I said, this offensive line is pushed through things. That's why I couldn't say healthy particularly. Right. But, yeah, if you need to give him a break, then you want somebody you can rely on. And I think Johnson would be a better bet than Wells. I agree, especially he's younger too. Uh, a. Corman <laughs> says, Stenny played great on our playoff run. I don't feel good about a rookie left guard with Tom. Well, Listen, under Todd Bowles, you go back to 2019, Casey. They drafted Sean Murphy Bunting and Jamel Dean in the second and third rounds. Both those rookies played and started that, that season. Bowles started Antoine Winfield as a rookie in 2020. And then on the offensive side of the ball, Tristan Wirfs started as a rookie in 2020. They won the Super Bowl. So Todd Bowles is not afraid of playing young players, rookies, if they're the best option. And one of the rookies we're going to see play a lot is on the defensive side of the ball, the defensive line position, Logan Hall. Logan yes. Hall and Akeem Hicks make up a new one-two punch inside a defensive tackle, replacing the 35-year-old Indomitian Sue, the 36-year-old Steve McClendon. Casey, between those two last year, Sue had all the sacks, six to, to nothing. McClendon did chip in an interception. But I got to think with Hicks and Logan Hall being more athletic and quicker, and certainly Hall being younger, Mm-hmm. That between those two guys, the Bucks are going to get more than six sacks out of the defensive tackle spot. Yeah, I mean, Hicks played nine games last season and was pushing through some sort of injury and still collected three and a half sacks and 17 solo tackles. This is a guy who has had, you know, bigger games where he's racked up nearly eight sacks three years in a row. Yeah. Um, so he, the potential is there. I mean, especially if you're playing alongside guys that are equally as strong as you, Mm -hmm. he's got so much length to him. So now I don't think it's going to be the solo focus of Nadal Kinsu handling manhandling everything, every play, like being able to evenly distribute the point of attack and really apply your Yeah, because you got to think about Vita Vea, the Pro Bowl nose tackle, right? Will Dolphin, old man Will had had a career high four sacks last Mm -hmm. year, four and a half sacks. So I I agree. And and you might see – because of Akeem Hicks's versatility, you might see Hicks play a little bit instead of Will Golston at the defensive end spot, then have Logan Hall and Vita Vea on the field. Then you've got really three guys that can get to the quarterback. And I yes. think that's a different scenario than having Vita Vea in between and yes. Sue and Will Golston last year. Yeah, and then I'm pretty sure, I mean, I don't know if I was the only person, and you are a defensive guy, but I think all of us can agree we could have used a hell of a lot more sacks last season. Yeah. I mean, it Especially was just, from the defensive line, yeah. Having exactly. to rely so much on the outside linebacker positions, yeah. 100%. It was just, it was just, sometimes it was difficult to watch, but when you really pay close attention and you look at the tap, you know, the double teams that were taking place and how much Sue was relied on, and then the moments that people were like, oh, Vita needs to show up that much more, it just became a little chaotic. So I think Hicks and Hall working together is going to help give everyone more of a single or, you know, dialed in focus to apply yeah. to their strengths and really, really light it up. Yeah, I agree. And then when you look at, at the depth, right, they're, they're going to end up keeping a total of, of six defensive linemen. And so you've got Vita Vea, Will Golston, Akeem Hicks, and and Logan Hall as those five. And, and then I think you're looking at probably Pat O'Connor, who is going to be the other guy doing the Bucks training camp diary 
for us on pewterreport.com that'll be coming out later tonight for, for Pat's opening entry. And so I, even though they, they brought in uh, Deidrin Sanat, he's more of a nose tackle. And I would be remiss if, if I didn't mention Raheem Nunez Rocha is also known as Nacho. Nacho is making the team. So I think yeah. those six players with Pat O'Connor being the sixth because of his versatility to play the three, to play the defensive end spot that Will Golston plays, and to be a core special teamer, I think that that you're basically swapping out Sue and McClendon for Hicks and Hall. And and I, th- I think that you are going to see more sacks this year from, from the defensive line. Casey, when you look at, at the at sacks, the outside linebacker position, that's really where they're generated from in this Todd Bowles defense. Mm-hmm. And, and Shaq Barrett really had a, a nice bounce back year, made his second Pro Bowl in in three years for the Buccaneers, leading the team in sacks. Jason Pierre-Paul is gone. He'll be replaced by Joe Tryon Shoinka. Um, behind them, though, I, do you think they're going to bring in another veteran, Carl Nassib, as a player that has experience playing in Todd Bowles' defense? He and Shaq Barrett played off each other very well at the start of 2019. Or do you go with Anthony Nelson and then either Cam Gill or Elijah Ponder, two young guys that have some promise but not much experience? You know, that's tough for me because I actually was a fan of Carl Nassib. I, I didn't think that he was going to end up leaving. Um, and for him to come back to this system I, I and work alongside players that he was developing with would be huge for him. Um, the hard part is that I, I just – I saw some really good things out of Anthony Nelson last season. Yeah. And if he can just continue – on that trajectory, I think that he's a good fit for the Bucks, and it also money and, and stuff plays into it. Yeah. There might be a, t- a cheaper option to have faith in, in Nelson versus bringing in a Sib. So um, the hard part too is just to see the health and the injuries and the issues that this team went through last season. I'm all about depth and and mm-hmm. a veteran presence and and help. Um, but well, as for and, and, and if you look at the Rams, right, I mean, they added Von Miller, right? They already had the inside-outside game with Leonard Floyd as their outside linebacker and then Aaron Donald on the inside. But Von right. Miller just gave them that extra oomph they needed for their pass rush. Yeah. And as much as we like Anthony Nelson and, and, and maybe the promise that a, a Cam Gill or an Elijah Ponder might have as a young developing type player that might be a year or two away still – if, if this team goes without Shaq Barrett, if he has an injury like he had at the end of last year with a knee injury, and you're missing Shaq Barrett, all of a sudden there's so much pressure now on Joe Tryon Shoenka yeah. and Anthony Nelson, and there's not much depth behind him. I, I think they, they probably have to bring in a guy like Nassib or look elsewhere and, and bring in a veteran. Yeah, I would prefer it just because after what they dealt with last season, I don't think they're going to put themselves in such a vulnerable position again. So if they can avoid it, they're going to. Yeah. And, you know, Nassib's a great fit. Like you said, he has experience with Shaq Barrett. They played well with one another. Um, I can't imagine it'll be an arm and a leg to bring him in. So, yes, as much as I have faith in, in Anthony Nelson, I'd rather have the security blanket of having a guy like Nassib come in. Yeah. Now, uh, speaking of security, um, this is the promo for Immunity Financial. See what I did there? I talked about security, financial security. Folks, uh, do what I did. Make sure you call Immunity Financial. They can help you get financially secure for your future. At Immunity Financial, we help you live in the now. Congratulations. We're so happy Thank for you. you. Thank you. And even though the now may feel very different, you still need to plan for the future. How's retirement treating you? 
Oh, just fantastic. I know I say it all the time, but you really got to come up to Colorado. Let's do it. All right. Yeah. We can help you develop that plan to keep you on track so you can still prepare for tomorrow, today. Amuni Financial. Plan ahead. Stay ahead. Casey, I would say we got to get to Colorado, but there's no time to get to Colorado. We got training camp starting on Wednesday here in Tampa. And, uh, but listen, if you do want to retire to Colorado or take some of those trips and enjoy your golden years, uh, you need to have enough money saved up. And and that means good sound investments. And, and folks, the place to do that is Immunity Financial. Managing your family's wealth means more to Immunity Financial than simply allocating your assets. It means legacy planning, brokerage and advisory services, retirement accounts, college savings accounts, and insurance services. With over 40 years of experience here in the Tampa Bay area, let Immunity Financial help you plan ahead and stay ahead. And they can help you from across the country too. So you don't have to be just based in Florida to be an Immunity Financial customer. Do what I did, folks. I'm not just a pitch man for Immunity. I'm also a client of Immunity. Give them a call at 1-800-868-6864 or visit them on the web at immunity.com. Casey, as we finish up, on the defensive side with uh, with our training camp preview. Uh, yeah. We're going to stop off at the inside linebacker spot and visit our friends Devin White and Levante David, shall we? <laughs> now, um, Devin White did make the Pro Bowl last year, but I don't think he quite deserved it. And it sounded like from when we talked to Devin White, he was a very accountable player that, you know, that, that knew that it wasn't his best season last year. Yes, He was appreciative of being at the Pro Bowl, but what I liked about this kid was his accountability. He knows he needs to get better, and he didn't want to be in the Pro Bowl anymore, at least not at the Pro Bowl game itself. He wants to be back in the Super Bowl. He'll take the Pro Bowl honors, mm-hmm. but uh, he wants to be playing that Sunday in the, in the Super Bowl, um, not in the Pro Bowl game itself. Now, Levante, David, it's, it's going to be a big bounce-back year for him. He's coming off of a foot injury. And he's also in a contract year at age 32. So his father time catching to, to Levante David did not have the best year statistically last season. Didn't make the splash type of plays as often as we've come to expect or the tackles for loss behind line of scrimmage. There are some question marks there with the starters. Let's start there. What do you expect from Devin White, Levante David and camp? I would be very upset if we don't see the dynamic duo from 2020 this season. I think they both know that they they left a lot on the field last year and whatever the reason may be, they they have room to make up for it now. And, you know, Levante David has been a leader on this team for a while. He's been with the team for a very long time. I'm sure he doesn't want to go into a, a final contract year underwhelming and not really putting himself on the best pillar to, to be selected if he needs to transition his career elsewhere or to really locked down the fact that he should be a buck for even longer. So I think that they both have a lot resting on this season. As you said, Devin White did hold himself accountable at the end of the season. He really didn't like the chirps coming from, you know, media analyzing his play. I think for a guy who has a lot of confidence and who does like to make splash plays or be such an impactful player on the field, he knew that he just really didn't rise to the standard last season. So this is the time, as long as everybody's healthy, to really mm-hmm. make up for that. But that dynamic duo for 2020, like, yeah, you, you, it would be terrifying to think that that was just like a one-off. 
that right. we're only going to see that then and we're never going to see it again. And yeah. so, um, but I don't think that the Bucks can go without them. You know, there's yeah. massive plays that, that Levante David has come up with. Oh, yeah. um, shutting down, you know, there's significant plays that he had against the Saints that I could recall that were well, just... You go back to the Super Bowl. I mean, he, he really put the clamps down on, on Travis Kelsey. Kelsey had... Uh, several mm-hmm. catches, but I mean, he wasn't making big plays. It was like little chain moving plays, yep. but, but Levante David really kept uh, having uh, the, the clamps on, on Travis Kelsey. Now yes. Todd Bowles is, is very high on KJ Britt, the second year linebacker out of Auburn. Yeah. I, I think that, that he can come in and be a better version of Kevin Minter. I don't know that he is the, the caliber of athlete that you want ultimately replacing Levante David. But mm-hmm. the interesting dynamic is going to be uh, Grant Stewart. Can he carve out a role as a specialty player on defense? Because this guy was dynamic on special teams. He was the Bucks' leading tackler in special teams. The Bucks front office thinks that he can become a Pro Bowl special teams guy, like Matthew Slater for the Patriots, where he's just one mm-hmm. of those kamikaze mm-hmm. cover men that goes down there mm-hmm. and just makes all the tackles and forced a fumble last year as well. So – that that foursome, that quartet right there is, I think, set in stone. The interesting mm-hmm. dynamic, I think, will be Larry Foote, who did wonders with Shaq Barrett and Joe Tryon Schoenke and even JPP as an outside linebackers coach. Right. But he replaces Mike Caldwell as the inside linebackers coach. Foote played inside linebacker at a 3-4 scheme. So I think that he can really relay some of that information and bring out the best in Devin White. Both of those guys are edgy, intense players. Mike Caldwell, who's now the Jacksonville Jaguars defensive coordinator, he was more of a calm, cool, methodical, level-headed, <laughs> technical-type teacher. Again, a good coach. But I just think Larry Foote is going to bring out the best in Devin White in this unit. Bring that fire, exactly. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that um... – there's some there was some quote out there by Devin White just basically like praising foot and and the chemistry that they have. So I think that he's gonna have more of a an ability to level with these guys and bring that fire, as you just said, and really light them up. Because sometimes it's it's a different mental game when you start getting to the defensive side of the ball, and especially linebackers. I mean, they really have to put their body on the line um and and kind of be a bit crazy or yeah. savage. You know, they have to have a savage mentality. So I think Foot could be the guy to really spark a little bit more from them, maybe yeah. resurge that that duo that I'm looking mm-hmm. for from 2020. Um, KJ Britt, we've heard all the players in the locker room speak so highly they're of brave him. About it. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, it's not even just the coaching staff, it's the players that are high up on him as well. In terms of replacing Levante David, I just don't see that quite yet. I think right. that. I think that Levante still has, you know, a lot to a lot to bring to this team, especially from a leadership perspective. But just the fact that he is so athletic out there um, when he's healthy, I actually really do enjoy watching Levante play. So, but across the board, those four guys that you named, I think they're pretty set in stone as well. Yeah, I agree. Let's switch gears and finish it out with the secondary, starting at the cornerback position first. Oh boy. Carlton Davis, right? Just got got paid and well-deserved, right? I mean, he's the number one cornerback. That's There's no mystery there. Jamel Dean, I think, had a really solid year last year. He basically wrested that other starting cornerback job away from Sean Murphy Bunting, relegating yes. Murphy Bunting inside when he was healthy. He missed half the season due to an elbow injury. But Dean and Murphy Bunting are in a contract here. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, Dee Delaney, who we had on the Peter Report podcast last week, is one of those guys that just he he's going to make he's going to find a way to make the roster. He just makes plays, whether it's in training camp, in the preseason, whatever. This guy just has something about him. Now, is he a starting caliber cornerback? I don't think so, but mm-hmm. he's a guy that you want to have step in in a pinch and play for you and be one of those depth guys. Yeah. One of the other depth guys that they're really high on is Zion McCollum. This day three guy, they are super excited about him. He's got length. He's got athletic ability. He can jump out of the gym. He's fast. He was the most athletic cornerback in the history of the NFL scouting combine in terms of all the testing. Throw in the fact that he had 13 interceptions at Sam Houston. This guy's got instincts on top of it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see this guy really push for some playing time this year. And what does that mean for Sean Murphy Bunting? Well, I don't know if he's going to hang on to that nickel cornerback job because this is not the same guy for whatever reason that we saw in the 2020 postseason, Casey. Yeah, 100%. Unfortunately, not that Sean Murphy Bunting is on a decline, but he's just kind of struggling to bounce back. Yeah. And I don't think the Bucks have time to wonder, will he ever resurface as the guy that he was in 2020? Great point. I think they are running out of patience with Sean Murphy. Yeah, I think he's been presented a lot of opportunities and it's just, it's it's fallen short. And don't get me wrong, before I was on the to get rid of him train, it was, I had high hopes for Sean Murphy Bunting. Yeah. He had, um, you know, he, he was a little slashier in 2022 mm-hmm. and now it's just, it's very underwhelming for me. So I think that he's going to end up being out. I think Jamal Dean showed up where it counted last year. And if you really think about it, he was working through the shoulder injury and all sorts of injuries. Right. And regardless of the injury, he went on the, on the field and tried to make a difference for this team. So I think he ends up maybe sticking around, but then you mentioned Zion McCollum. I think he's going to be that breakout player. It, you you said everything. Size, speed, athleticism, one of the top athletic cornerbacks out there. He could have gone to a bigger college, but he wanted to stay back to be around his brother. So you see humility, you see confidence, you see a guy eager to learn and compete. He just has so many great character qualities as well as athletic qualities to be a guy who should be sticking around the Tampa Bay Bucks roster. Not even just as a guy, but maybe somebody who will develop into a leadership role. So I wouldn't be surprised to see him spring ahead some of these guys as you know, training camp gets behind and, and preseason gets behind and they really start getting into the season. Um, Ross Cockrell and D. Delaney, let's be serious. Last year when the injuries were really racking up, these yeah. guys were put in a difficult position to show up and make a difference right away. Yeah. Um, the next man up mentality. So yeah. I was going to say, I think D. Delaney did, did a, a better job with Ross Cockrell. Remember, he started off in the nickel Yes, and, and then – you know, he, he didn't fare too well. It's so no. much so that they used Mike Edwards in the slot and and also Antoine Win- Winfield saw action yeah, in the slot. Yeah, had to get creative. Right. Um, but you're right. That's actually what I was about to say. I think yeah. G. Delaney did, was a bit more consistent than Ross Cockerell was. So if anyone's going to be presented with more of an opportunity, it's going to be D. Delaney. And he does find a way to be on the, to, to make this roster yeah. regardless. So um, I'm just more excited to see what happens with McCollum. I think that Jamal Dean can build off of his season from last year, and I think yeah. SMB is going to be on a chopping block if he doesn't find a way to show up uh, way, way more. And way yeah, more we actually had him as uh, – I had him um, as, as a potential surprise training camp cut in our Peter Report roundtable over the weekend. And and the part of the reason is this guy right here, Logan Ryan. He can play free safety. He can also play nickel corner. So now you've got yet another guy 
that could be on the field seeing some playing time. And you mentioned Keanu Neal a little bit earlier as we talk about the safeties. Obviously, Antoine Winfield is the Pro Bowl starter. Uh, at typically free safety, I think you're going to see him play some in the slot as well because he and Logan Ryan can be interchangeable players. Todd Bowles likes those interchangeable bodies where yes. he can really disguise and give different looks, and you don't know who's going to line up where based on personnel. With Keanu Neal, I think he and, and Mike Edwards are going to be splitting some playing time at strong safety, but Casey as I wrote about in my five potential surprises for Bucks camp, I think you're going to find all four of these guys, Logan Ryan, Keanu Neal, Mike Edwards, who's a ball hawk and a contract year, and Antoine Winfield, all of them mm-hmm. seeing some playing time, possibly all together, because there's no, you know, Andrew Adams here. There's no, you know, reserve safety. I mean, Logan Ryan can play, Keanu Neal can play, Mike Edwards and Winfield can play. This is probably the strongest group of safeties, those four players that Todd Bowles has had since he's been in Tampa. I was just about to say, it's it's, it's a very inviting group to want to want to watch play. I mean, Antoine Winfield Jr. is Antoine Winfield Jr. He has showed up since the minute he put on a Bucks jersey, and um, I'm just excited to see how much more he excels this season. But, yeah, as for Keanu Neal and, and the rest of these guys, you're getting a veteran presence. You're getting versatility, which we know this team loves. Um, I know a lot of people are a little alarmed because Keanu Neal went from playing linebacker with the Cowboys to coming yep. here. And then there's all the, the health question marks. But as for, you know, the player that he was at University of Florida, I actually got to watch him play at UF mm-hmm. for his entire career. And then when he went to the Falcons, He's a you know, they hard hitter. Yeah. He yeah. just He's a great blitzer so too. much. Right. Which was going to bring me to a question for you, because I know that everyone's wondering, you know, what's going to happen now that Jordan Whitehead is no longer a Buccaneer. Mm-hmm. And he, all, you know, he played up a lot. He contributed to the Blitz a lot. But Keanu Neal did that as well. And you mentioned that in your article, the fact that he's yeah. a strong blitzer and he's really physical. So there's a role carved out here that could be mm-hmm. filled, but it's not heavily relied on one guy. I think, if anything, the safeties might be the most solid, one of the most solid rooms. I agree. On the as long they- as yeah, and, and I think they bring so much versatility from being able to play in the slot to being able to play free. Not not so much can on Neil, but I think right. you look at at a, at a blitzer out of the slot, you look at at a strong safety type guy, mm-hmm. uh, Neil is going to really be a factor this year. And, and I, th- I think you're going to see more maybe three safety uh, alignments, which John Ledyard was was um, you know crowing about and, and, uh, and begging the team to do last year and injuries really kind of prevented that from happening but with the personnel that bulls has now at his disposal i think yeah. it happens better coverage what, opportunities I'm, yeah. I'm excited to see what they'll do there i am too uh the punter we know that, that the buccaneers drafted a fourth round punter that means he's going to be the starter they've already cut bradley pinion and that's yeah. jake camarda the kicker position as we, we we wrap up the bucks training camp preview here casey is it going to be jose borgals or is it going to be Ryan Suckup for yet another year. I think Suckup gets things going first. Um, I know that no one was, we were all very disappointed in his performance last season. It was very inconsistent. He just seemed out of it and distracted. But when he first joined the team the year prior, he was way better than what we'd experienced for years. I mean, the drought at the kicker position as a Bucks fan and a, a spectator and reporter was just dry. It was terrible. Um, So Suckup brought that spark back. As for last season, no, this year I think they start things off with him, but it could transition out. 
Yeah. Well, we'll have to keep an eye. I think they're going to give, and I mentioned this in the five potential surprises in Bucks Camp article on PeterReport.com. I think they're going to give Jose as much opportunity as they can in those preseason games, in those those joint practices with the Dolphins and the Titans to win that job and see if he can beat out Ryan Suckup, the veteran. So, uh, uh, Casey, Bucks training camp. This Wednesday, we're going to have our next Peter Report podcast Wednesday afternoon at 4 o'clock. We want to thank everybody for joining us. We love all you Peter people. Thanks for joining us today on the Peter Report podcast. And uh, and be sure to join us on Wednesday as Bucks training camp begins. For Scott Reynolds and Casey Hudson, um, well, I should say for Casey Hudson, I am Scott Reynolds, uh, thanking you for joining us another edition of the Peter Report podcast. We'll see you Wednesday for Bucks training camp coverage at four o'clock Eastern sponsored by Celsius here on the Peter report podcast out.